0: This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au
1: Well, good morning Church. How are we? Good. My name is Matt. Joining me this morning is Teresa. Teresa is a former Compassion Sponsor recipient from The city of Cebu in the Philippines, where we have four partnership centers, four local churches working with children in the Philippines, in Cebu, actually not too far from where Scotty and Ruth are ministering. And this morning, we have a wonderful privilege of hearing Teresa's personal story. So Teresa, could you start by sharing a little bit about your personal story and how you became to be sponsored by Compassion? So
0: good morning, everyone. Um, My grandmother is a Christian. And so she has a compassion um, program in her church. And she asked my father and my mother if I can be a compassion child because they knew um, that they cannot let me be sent to the university. And um, compassion will offer medical and um, dental benefits.
1: Tell me a little bit about your family. What was it like for you growing up in the Philippines before you went to compassion?
0: So I... I live and was raised in a slum area, so when you say slum area, when you do like this, that's the house of your neighbor, and it's prone to fire hazards and flood and all the things that you, you don't want to see, like drug trafficking and prostitution, and so it's an impoverished area, and um, my father and my mother were both um, community activists, means they um, always rally in the street, and they are not around when I am growing up so it was my grandmother who really raises
1: tell us a little bit about your compassion center that you were a part of what was it like how often did you go what sort of things did you do at the center
0: so before when i was young i can only go to the compassion once a month and that's my privilege to go and know about jesus and they also run camps and that's when i came to know jesus
1: now, obviously, the last couple of years have been very difficult for all of Compassion's work, but particularly in the Philippines, it's been difficult because of COVID. What are some of the challenges? What are the things that have been happening for the centers during the last couple of years of COVID nineteen?
0: So, in the Philippines, because um, predominantly there are so many slum areas, so three point nine million people were COVID; um, they were infected by COVID, and sixty two thousand people died. And so 2.9 million people and their families were left without jobs. And just imagine that um, in the Philippines, our health system is not as the same as in Australia. So you can see in the news that people were just lying on the floor outside the the hospitals. And if you are a COVID patient, then you will be isolated for one or two months outside your family because they will put you in a facility because there is no room for quarantine in their homes. And so... Um, they will not be allowed, like my community was not allowed to go out in our slum area for six months. And so I was so afraid because um, if one of them, because we were um, nine people in my community, including the pastor who lives in our house. And so I was thinking, God, if one of them will be COVID, then the entire family will be COVID. And so it brought so much fear and doubt. But God has um, intervened in that circumstances
1: amen what would it mean for a child that's on the back table there this morning to receive a sponsor from one of the members of this church what would it mean for those kids yes
0: so that would mean a lot um it will have the child will have an avenue to be raised in a godly community in inside the church and that church will because they are not just interested in educational but they're interested in the holistic development of the child. And as for me, I have finished university, which is quite impossible for a poor child. And my entire family came to know Jesus. Um, Even when my father was like soul before, he he persecuted me with beating, but he became a project director of the compassion center that I grew up in and we were baptized together. So I was... um, Every child is a hope for their family. And their community and in first Corinthians 2 verse 9 it says no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind can conceive what what God has in store for those who love him and so I'm believing that these children will be the cycle breakers of poverty in their family not just um, physically but spiritually
1: Amen. thank you Teresa can we give Teresa a massive round of applause wow Well, you have just heard the incredible work that Compassion does. You've heard about the impact that Compassion makes. And my hope as the pastor of this church is that every single adult member who calls this church home will have at least one sponsor child. Uh, There's about 170 of us, believe it or not, who say that this is your church. So our hope and dream is that every single one of us will have at least one child to sponsor. Even this morning... I'm believing for 20 kids, 20 kids to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. And up the back there is a table full of kids who need sponsorship. Imagine the impact, as Teresa has just described, of stories like Teresa's being told over and over again. Imagine the impact on local communities, as local churches not only declare the good news of Jesus, but demonstrate it with their actions. And imagine the impact on kids and their lives. You know, poverty tells kids that they don't matter. And you can change that narrative. By sponsoring a child this morning, you can set a child free from poverty in Jesus' name and radically alter the course of their lives. This is Kesha. She is one of our sponsor kids. We've also got Indago, he's from Kenya. Kesha is from one of the four centres in Cebu City. And our family, as we put the kids to bed each night, we've been praying for Kesha and Indago. We've been teaching our kids about the impact of poverty on young children. And you should see the questions that our kids ask about what it means Uh, for these people growing up in slums. They have no concept of what a slum is. I had to explain what a slum is last night. And it is our firm commitment as a family to not only help our kids understand what a significant blessing it is to grow up in Australia, but also to help our kids see what it means to be the people of God who would live lives of generosity and set kids free from poverty in Jesus' name. So my hopeful prayer this morning is that um, we would have a bunch of kids sponsored today. You can head up the back. There are profiles there. In fact, there is one young girl. Her name is Thanasharie. She has been waiting over 250 days for someone to sponsor her. There are a bunch of kids who have been waiting over 160, over 120 days for someone. And I promise you, it would make the world of difference to those kids for someone to sponsor them this morning and to know that someone in Australia cares enough to pay for them, to go to a centre, to be educated, to have food and to share the good news of Jesus. It can radically, radically transform a kid's life. And so would you prayerfully consider this morning, the cost is about $48 a month per child. Would you prayerfully consider heading to the back, perusing through the kids that are up there, sponsoring a child? Maybe your family already has a child and you would consider sponsoring a second or a third. There is no maximum number of children that you can sponsor and set free. So our hope and prayer is that we would see 20 kids sponsored this morning, at least 20 kids 20 children who can have a story just like Teresa. 20 children who can be set free from poverty. 20 children whose families can be baptized, who can graduate university and who can be the cultural changes because of a simple decision that you have made this morning to sponsor a child and set them free from poverty in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for us, church. Father, I thank you that you have been abundantly good and generous to us. And I pray that out of the overflow Of your generosity towards us, you would make us generous people. God, I wanna pray for all of those kids this morning who are sitting on the back on the table there who are desperate for someone to sponsor them. And I pray that you would put it on the hearts of the people of this church to play our small part in making a significant difference in the lives of young children. We thank you for the work that compassion does, particularly at the four centers in Cebu City. God, we pray for protection for the center's leadership, for the churches that are involved, for the volunteers that lead those programs, for the people who are taking care packs to families who can't be there. Father, we pray that you would continue to bless the work of these four centers and the local churches. We ask that those local churches would be your light, your hands and feet to a community that so desperately needs to hear about Jesus. And we pray for countless children, just like Teresa, to have their lives radically changed as we play our part in setting children free. God, we pray that you would stir generosity amongst this community. And we ask it in Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, can we give it up for James Wong, who's going to be bringing the word this morning?
2: Well, good morning. Good morning. Great to see you guys today. I want to add my welcome to Esther's and Matt's. And if I haven't met you before, I am James, as Matt said. And I'm one of the pastors here at Anchor. And would love to get to know you better, particularly if you're new or visiting. Well, I'm excited today to be sharing a message with you, particularly excited because it's Compassion Sunday. And uh, I want to share a message titled Blessed by Giving. Blessed by Giving. But why don't you join me? Let's pray. And uh, let's ask God to speak to us in this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a personal God. We thank you that uh, you promised to be near to us. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us. We believe that there's things that you want to say to us, things you want us to hear. And so God, I pray that you would give us the ability now to be still, to listen to your voice. Lord, that you give me the words to say, and that you would use this time to stir us, Lord, transform us, so that we might be more like your son, Jesus. Pray this in his beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Well, Katie and I, uh, we just got back from a week of holidays in the Blue Mountains. Uh, We are actually expecting our first kid in about five weeks. Well,. I mean, I know you can't exactly time it, so apparently about five weeks, and uh, we just spent a week in the Blue Mountains on holidays, our last holiday uh, before the baby comes with my family. And for those of you who know me personally well, or my family, you'll know that I have a little niece uh, called Olive. Sometimes I post things on my Insta story about her. She's a very cute little Eurasian baby, almost two years old, and so we got to spend the whole week with her. One of the days, we went out to a bakery, bought a whole bunch of stuff for lunch. We came back, sitting out on the deck, just enjoying the sunshine and the pastries, and she's having a little little kind of like slice of kind of pizza, like on focaccia kind of vibe, and so I'm sitting down next to her, and I, I lean in, I go, hey, Olive, can Uncle Jimmy have some? And she pauses... She's doing this thing at the moment where, when she eats something she likes, um, she goes, Ooh, nice, nice, nice. And so she pauses, she contemplates, because you know, it's a very weighty question. And uh, after a minute of thinking, she smiles, looks up at me, and nods. She says yes. And I think it's often funny to watch little kids' reactions when you ask them to share, because I think as parents in the room would know, sometimes they'll say yes. But often they'll say no, and the no will be quite emphatic. Even from a young age, I think we instinctively as humans, we don't want to give away things that we believe belong to us. We'd rather have them for ourselves than give them away. And it's kind of funny thinking about it in terms, you know, through the lens of a little baby. But I think even as we get older, that kind of human instinct it does stay with us, the reluctance to part with things that we believe are ours. It's just that as we get older, we become more subtle about hiding that desire or we become more polite about expressing or presenting that. And ultimately, I believe it's because as humans, we see the act of giving away as deprivation. We see the act of giving away primarily as deprivation. But as I was preparing this message the last couple of weeks, before I went on my holiday, I came across across the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where he's quoted by Paul as saying these words. He says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I'll say that again. Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think if we want to start there today, that's a really countercultural message, isn't it? I mean, we think, yeah, of course, you know, Jesus would say that. He's perfect, the Son of God, He's so wise. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe in our day and age? where we live, with what we have, that there is more blessing in giving than in receiving. See, I believe, as I said, that when we think of giving, whether it's our time or our resources or our finances, you know, things like church or ministry or charitable organizations like Compassion, we tend to think of it as deprivation. Like, I think we understand that, you know, there are things that we should support, rightly so, good causes, But by and large, we see it as an act of sacrifice. We think to ourselves, as we consider giving, what will it cost me? Does anyone think that? What will it cost me? It's the question that tends to be at the forefront of our minds. But what if, what if in following Jesus, in following and walking in the way of Jesus, we found that his words, that it is more blessed to give than to receive, were actually true. And not in some detached, kind of mystical, philosophical way that has no bearing on our actual lives, but actually in a real, tangible, practical way. What if we found that we were actually more blessed through giving than by receiving. Now, obviously, things like child sponsorship, giving, and other forms of parting with our resources, of course, they involve a financial cost. I'm not trying to con you here today. We have to make sacrifices in order to redirect our resources to certain causes, certain organizations. But what if instead of magnifying the costs and the sacrifices, we instead magnified the blessing that came through the giving? And so this morning, what I want to do in the time that I have is I want to challenge our paradigm. I want to challenge the paradigms that we default to in our day and age by highlighting some of the ways that we are blessed through our giving. And specifically this morning with an eye towards child sponsorship. And my hope is that that this will help us to view not just today and our potential act of sponsoring a child today, but our whole giving, our whole perspective, our whole framework of giving, not as a sacrificial act of deprivation primarily, but an opportunity, an invitation to experience God's blessing. So how does our giving bless us? If the words of Jesus are true, how do we experience that in our lives? I want to give you three ways that our our giving blesses us. And the first is this. Our giving blesses us by disrupting our self-centeredness. Our giving blesses us by disrupting our self-centeredness. See, the Scriptures are full of commands to be selfless and other person-centered. In fact, if you read the New Testament, You wouldn't argue that selflessness is seen to be a mark of a disciple of Jesus. And so if you're here today and you call Jesus Lord, you want to be walking in the ways of Jesus, not just hearing his teachings, but living them out, then we want to be more and more like him. Consider the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2. These references will be up on the screen behind me. This is Paul's exhortation, his encouragement towards selflessness. He says, Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, the context here is Paul is calling disciples of Jesus to a radical, other-person-centered way of living. And you might say, why? Why does Paul call disciples of Jesus to that? Is it because he wants them to attain to some level of moral standing? Is it because, you know, Christians have to be good people who are better than others? No, the reason why Paul says here is because other person's saidness is the way of Jesus. See, immediately after those verses, if we skip down to verses 6 to 8, Have a look with me at Paul's description of Jesus. It says, Who, referring to Jesus, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to what? To his own advantage, out of selfish ambition, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Paul's call that we value others above ourselves is a call to walk in the way of Jesus. It's a call based on the example of Jesus. And Paul essentially says in those few verses that this is how Jesus valued us, Above himself, he left his heavenly comforts, he came down to earth, he was born in the likeness of a beautiful yet broken human being, he took on flesh and blood, and ultimately, he walked on our earth and went to the cross to die for us. So the way of Jesus calls us to imitate his other person-centeredness. See, if the way of Jesus is selflessness, then the way of the world is self-centeredness. If there was a world translation of Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, I think it would sound something like this. Always make sure you get what you want. In fact, because you're most important and the universe revolves around you, don't allow your interests or concerns to be second to anyone else's. You deserve to always be first. See, Jesus' self, Jesus's selflessness is so countercultural and radical to the waters that we swim in. And we, when we sponsor a child when we give of our resources, when we part with things that we believe are ours, even though God is the one who's first given them to us, our self-centeredness is disrupted. Our giving is a declaration. Our child sponsorship is a declaration that I am not the only one who matters in this world. That it's not only my interests and concerns that are primary, but actually the interests and concerns of Another, And the beautiful thing is that as our self-centeredness is disrupted, we are blessed because we become little bit by little bit more like Jesus, more like who we were created to be like. Well, the second way that giving blesses us is giving blesses us by it challenges our materialism. Google, trusty Google, defines materialism as a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Well, the Cambridge Dictionary puts it more street level. I prefer this definition. It says, materialism is the belief that having money and possessions is the most important thing in life. Now I think many of us would be quick to say, I'm not materialistic, I have stuff but my stuff doesn't own me, Uh, money and possessions aren't the most important things to me, but when you sponsor a child and you come to hear of their experiences and you see what they have and how they live, you quickly realize, I quickly realized just how materialistic I actually am. I want to read a couple of letters to you this morning from some of our Compassion Kids. I think there's some screenshots up on the back, but this is the first one, and this is from Seth. He's one of our sponsor kids who lives in the Togo. This letter's super cute, and I just want you to listen to this. So this is Seth. He's 15 years old. He says, Dear James, It is with great joy that I'm writing this letter to tell you about the way we live in the center. Listen to this. In our center, we have the borehole, which provides us with water for drinking, cooking, and toilets. We have the kitchen where we prepare all the food that we eat. We also have the toilets where we relieve ourselves at the end of the sports activities. I'm in secondary four. I have finished my exam and I'm waiting for the results. Listen to this. And I am happy about all these things. I am happy about all these things. I thank you for helping us. May God bless you and give you a long life. Psalms 23. Love getting these letters from the kids. And the part that I love the most about this letter is the part where he lists all the basic things that he and his family has. And he's so excited to tell me about it. He's like, well, we've got the ball we've got we've got the kitchen and the toilets, and we've got clean water to drink, and we can prepare food and play sports. And I'm happy about all these things. And meanwhile, I'm like, I've got a phone, and I've got cars, and I've got possessions and wardrobes full of clothes and accessories and shoes and an apartment, and I have a secure secure job that's relatively high paying in regards to the rest of the world, and yet so often I struggle with happiness. And I don't know if that resonates with you, but I, I just think we have so many things we have so much stuff. We keep buying and attaining more things. And yet, so often, we struggle with our happiness. Why is that? How is it that we, that I, can be less happy than Seth, who lives in the Togo, despite having way more stuff? And I think it's because we've bought into the trappings of materialism, and we've bought into the lie that contentment and joy and peace and happiness can be found in stuff. And so we work hard so that we can have more to spend, and we buy more things, and I need, you know me, I need another pair of shoes in my wardrobe, and you need a new jacket, and we need a new car, and we need to upgrade our apartment and, and have the latest phone and technology, and yet that's not bringing us true happiness. Is it? And those are the pitfalls of materialism. But what does Jesus say the antidote to materialism is? What does Jesus say? What does Seth know? What does he have that I don't have? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, this is the NLT. Jesus says this: He says, Don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't store up treasures. Here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be. Or consider what Jesus says through the words of the apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world. I didn't come into the world wearing a fresh pair of sneaks, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. See, Jesus says that the antidote to materialism, it's not not to invest. It's not not to accumulate or store up. He says it's where you're storing up and it's what you're storing up. And it's what you're investing in. And he says, don't store up here on earth. Don't invest primarily here on earth. Don't accumulate. Don't spend your whole life building an empire and a kingdom here on earth. Build, store up, invest in the kingdom to come. Jesus says, the goal is not to get rich. The goal is to be content. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, it's really easy to talk about these things. It's really easy to aspire to these things, but it's difficult to live them. And Jesus here gives us a helpful diagnostic. Like if you're wondering, well, is materialism, is that an issue for me? Do I struggle with the love of money? Do I need to reevaluate my budget? Do I need to look at my spending? How do I know? Here's the diagnostic that Jesus gives us. in the back end of that chapter of Matthew that I just read. He says, where is your treasure? You see, because we don't want to be Christians who just talk the talk and say the right things. We want to be Christians who walk the walk. And Jesus gives us the diagnostic by saying, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's where your desires are. So, if I'm going to say I'm not materialistic, my stuff doesn't own me, the question that Jesus says is hey, what does your life say? What does your life show? If you're truly storing up treasures in heaven, your life will show it. When Jesus calls us to be trees that bear good fruit, fruit is visible. If you have to explain to someone that you have fruit in your life, there might not actually be fruit there. Fruit is visible. See, my compassion kid, Seth, he's, he's challenging my materialism by showing me his contentment despite the fact that he has so much less materially than me. How many of us would be able to say, I am happy about all these things if all the luxuries and non-essentials of our life were stripped away and all we had was the borehole and the kitchen, clean water. And how is it that a 15-year-old kid who lives in a country that is one of the least developed in the entire world and has virtually nothing compared to what I have financially and materially is possibly living a happier life than me? Materialism has not gripped him, and he has learned to be content in God and the everyday graces that God gives. So giving, it blesses us by disrupting our self-centeredness. It challenges our materialism. And finally, giving teaches us the nature of faith. And as I come up to my close, I want to read you part of another letter from a girl we sponsor called Jasmine. And Jasmine lives in the Philippines, which is where our project is as a church that we're sponsoring. This is Jasmine in the pandemic writing to us. And she says, Dear James, good day to all of you in there. How are you doing? I hope you and your family are well. Me and my family are doing well. Listen to this, even if we experience difficulties because of this pandemic. But I am thankful because God always provides our daily needs. He used you in the student center for giving us foods and vitamins, fruit and hygiene kit. And I'm doing well in school, even if it's difficult because it's modular. Our new school year will start this coming September. How about in there? I have a verse to share in Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I hope that you will be encouraged by this verse. Please continue to pray for my family. Thank you for everything. God bless. Take care always. Love, Jasmine. And Jasmine, I can't remember exactly how old she is. I think she might be about 11. She sent that letter to us during the pandemic last year. And you guys just heard from Teresa about the difficulties in the pandemic for the Philippines. And I love the part. This is my favorite part of the letter, right? Where she says this. She says, me and my family are doing well, even if. We experienced difficulties in the pandemic. But I am thankful because God always provides our daily needs. And, you know, as Teresa shared, the Philippines it was one of the worst impacted countries during COVID, during the pandemic. You know, if you type Philippines in the pandemic into Google, you hit enter. The titles of some of the articles that pop up. Let me read a few to you. This was the first search result. Why the Philippines became the worst place to be in COVID. Scroll down a little further and you'll find this article that says, pandemic pushes millions in Philippines into poverty. Now I know that that we had it tough here in Australia and I'm not here to diminish our experiences and our hardships. I particularly had a challenging time but the objective fact is that the poorer, more developing countries like the Philippines, they had it significantly worse. It became a terrible, terrible place to live. And yet here is the faith of a little girl writing to me saying, but I trust in a God who always provides. And so even though everything is going wrong, even through all these things that are happening here in my country, I'm still thankful. I'm still full of faith. I'm still trusting. And you know, that's faith. That's faith. That's a childlike faith that despite the sickness, despite the poverty, despite the death, despite the access into healthcare and medication, despite her home country becoming one of the worst places in the world to live... Still, she is thankful for God who always provides her daily needs. And despite the fact that our world would say, I have everything and she has nothing, somehow she is teaching me. She is teaching us about the nature of faith. And so as I, as I close, just before I pray, you know, this reminded me as I was preparing this message. You know, so often when we come to giving and when we come to charitable giving or child sponsorship, you know, whatever it is, when you, when you come to a day to a service like this, when you're watching television, you see the ad come up, what, what do you feel? What do you feel? And I guess there's a range of emotions. Maybe there's sadness. Maybe there's uh, frustration at the world and the state of how it is. But I think often we feel sorry we feel a sense of, you know, I wish I could help this person. And if I did, how fortunate would they be that I am giving my resources to them? And as I was preparing this message, you know, I was reminded of the scripture in 1 Corinthians where it says that God uses the foolish things in the eyes of the world to shame the wise things quotation marks, in the eyes of the world. It's not actually foolish, but foolish according to the world, wise according to the world. And he uses what the world believes and perceives and thinks is weak to shame what the world perceives and thinks and believes is strong. And I just kept thinking about that as I was preparing this message, because you see, our world would say that these children are weak and needy. And, And yes, of course, there are needs that we can meet. I don't want to encourage you to do that by sponsoring a child. But see, the blessing in giving and the blessing in child sponsorship is that God is actually using these children to disciple us, to disciple me. That God is using these children who the world would say, you should be sorry for them because they have nothing compared to you, but yet they are teaching me about the nature of faith the trustworthiness of God, what it means to be content and to live free of the shackles of materialism, my experience is that I am being shamed and I am being challenged by these children. And so we typically think that, you know, sponsoring a child, giving is about depriving ourselves And that they're so fortunate enough to receive from us, but actually what I have received, what we receive from them is far more than what we give away. It's far more. That through our giving, we are being blessed. As these children humble us, as they disciple us, as they teach us more and more what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so I hope you'll consider child sponsorship this morning. I hope you'll consider entering into this partnership and this relationship where you're blessing them and they're discipling you. But I pray and I hope also that this teaching, it won't just shape how you perceive today, but it will actually change and shape how you think about giving as a whole and the blessing that our Lord Jesus says comes with it. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for these children who you love so dearly. God, we thank you for the words of our Lord Jesus who said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I thank you for the ways that these children have blessed me, the ways that they're still blessing me. I thank you that what they contribute to my life is so much more than what I give to them And I thank you for your kingdom, God, that that it is an upside-down kingdom where the world would say, you know, that we have it all. And yet those who seemingly have less, Lord, are teaching us truly what it means to walk in the ways of Jesus. And so, God, I pray and ask that you would that you would transform our generosity, God, at its heart, at its motivation, that we would not first rear up and think about what it costs us, Lord, but we would see the blessing that comes through it. So help us, God. We pray that many children would be sponsored today, that their lives would be transformed, and that our lives would be transformed through them as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.